Hey everyone, it's Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment to speak with you all about our show's sponsor, Tall Slim Tees. I cannot speak highly enough of their products. Just the other day, I put on one of my old shirts prior to ever wearing one of these Tall Slim Tees and it just didn't feel right. Now that I've been wearing my Tall Slim Tees for a little while, they are without a doubt the most comfortable shirt I've ever been able to wear as a guy who's a little taller, a little bigger than average, It's so, so nice to have a shirt that truly fits. And if you want to know exactly what all the hype's about, then I encourage you to go to tallslimtees.com where you will find their wide variety of selection with over 20 colors to choose from. And one last incentive, as you get to the checkout, be sure to enter promo code KOREA10. That's the word KOREA and the number 10, and you will save a further 10% on your order so i cannot encourage it enough go to tallslimtees.com right now and be sure to grab yourself a new shirt today and now let's get to the show i wasn't the most gifted guy but i had good habits i had a good work ethic i wanted to learn the game of football and you know i I wanted to build relationships with the people that i was playing with and that that i was playing for to Career Competitor, a podcast that is a part of the CG Sports Network. I'm Steve Meller, and as always, we are the show that seeks to light the competitive fire within you in order to succeed within your career. Our episode today is one that couples nicely with our previous episode as we keep the focus on the sport of football, as we welcome in a former college and NFL player who has moved into the world of sports administration. Before I introduce him, though, I want to encourage you to take the time to give the show a follow if you're listening to us on Spotify or subscribe to us if you're listening on iTunes. And if you could even go one step further and rate the show, too, that would be greatly appreciated. Furthermore, don't forget to check out careercompetitor.com where you will find out all of our social media links so you can remain connected to everything related to the show. The website also acts as an easy way to connect with me too, so please do not hesitate to reach out and let me know what you think of this episode and the show as a whole. Moving right along to introducing our guest for today, and I had the opportunity to speak with Trey Stallings, who is the Associate Commissioner for Football with Conference USA, as well as having played college ball at Ole Miss before playing a few years in the NFL after he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Trey's sport and career journey is one that was built upon the types of traits that we believe in here on Career Competitor. But what helps him stand out within his career is a willingness to do the little things well. So many things we discuss within the interview are behaviors we can sometimes take for granted, but Trey's focus on the task at hand and the ability to perform are actions he can look back on and take great pride in for being the reason why he is where he is today. Be sure to stick around at the end as I pinpoint three key takeaways from our discussion in my career competitor, Keys to Success. But for now, let's welcome in Trey Stallings, and I hope you all enjoy. All right, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome on Trey Stallings to Career Competitor today. Firstly, Trey, how are you? 
Doing good, man. How are you? Doing very well. Very well. Excited for this discussion and opportunity just to pick your brain and what a what a career you've had as a player, what a, a career you're starting to create for yourself beyond the sport of football now as well. It's it's all really exciting. But before we go back and start reliving those playing days a little bit, tell us, uh, tell everybody what it is you're doing today. Well, um, I just accepted the role as Associate Commissioner for Football at Conference USA. I'm excited about this role because I, I really feel like it's a natural transition for me in terms of my career and kind of um, where I've been and where I want to get to. Um, so really excited about, you know, obviously just the people that I get to work with for one. And um, I think we have a great commissioner in Judy McLeod. She's definitely, um, um, she she's a, she's a, she's a forerunner in terms of women being um, in leadership roles, particularly in sports. And so, um, you know, I look to her for a lot of guidance, obviously, as I kind of, get into more of a leadership role in, in sports. And, um, you know, like I said, man, just excited for the future. That's great. I'm excited to learn this a little bit more about, you know, your career up to this point uh, away from football. But before we get to to that stuff, let's rewind the years and go back to you, the the, the football player. You know, you had a, a, a very high-level career, let's say. And why don't you tell everybody your background in the in the sport of football? Yeah, so, um, man, obviously, I, I would I – would, take my playing days all the way back to uh, when I first started playing football, when I was really eligible to play football um, as a toddler. I think, um, you know, most kids these days, they really start playing football at a really early age, some some six, some seven, some even earlier than that. Mm. And I wasn't that fortunate because I was a bigger kid. I couldn't start playing football until I was 12 years old in the seventh grade. Uh, I remember literally, Steve, like going – um, to take my first physical, I remember everybody, like every school in Mississippi, um, it was a free physical that was done in Jackson, Mississippi, which is our state capital. Um, and every school from every state would literally drive up and everybody would be able to get a free physical. Was, and so anyway, man, I remember stepping on the scale, 12 years old. I was 273 pounds. Wow. Okay, um, at 12 years old. So I was a really big kid. And um, I, I remember telling my uh, telling some of my teammates and friends, they're like, Trey, you weigh how much? They're like, man, there's no way. And then I showed them my paper, and they were like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you know, my size has obviously afforded me a lot of opportunities, and I'm grateful for it. Um, but, but even, you know, during that time, man, I'm fortunate to have a dad who also played um, in the National Football League, played collegially, obviously. Um, and he really, you know, showed me what hard work was, what dedication, obviously, to my craft was. Um, and so even at the age of 12, you know, developing a work ethic or developing um, good habits uh, was something I picked up on early. And, um, you know, that led me to, to be able to, to, to really play, obviously, early um, in high school. And then, you know, once I got done playing high school, it allowed me to play early. Uh, once I got to Ole Miss, um, I was really fortunate, man, to get to Ole Miss, um, work hard, be in a good position um, to really start all four years while I was there. Um, so, so you know, that experience, man, really, in my opinion, afforded me the opportunity um, to, to get drafted in the National Football League. Because I don't think, you know, when you think about my size, so I'll say this, I was 273 pounds, okay, at 12 years old. Well, by the time I was a ninth grader, I was 309 pounds. And then I kind of kind of mellowed out a little bit. And I didn't really gain any weight 
um, in between really the time that I was basically in high school all the way up until probably my sophomore year in college. I really stayed in between the 309 to 315 mm-hmm. weight range. And um, obviously my body started to change. Um, but man, shoot, I wasn't the most athletic guy. Like I went to college um, pretty much the same size as I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I was 6'3", 310, 11 pounds. And I kind of stayed that exact same way um, all the way throughout my playing career. And so you think about a guy that's big, obviously, but, man, I was 6'3", playing tackle in the SEC, playing left tackle. Mm -hmm. And so, man, I wasn't the most gifted guy, but I had good habits. I had a good work ethic. Uh, I wanted to learn the game of football. and, you know, I, I wanted to build relationships with the people that I was playing with and that, that I was playing for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those things um, really stand out to me now um, as I kind of look back over my playing career. Yeah, absolutely. Some great stuff. And, and you know, for me, coming from England, the, the, the sport of football was something I just gravitated towards the second I set foot on U.S. soil uh, 15 oh. years ago. So for me... For me, I've uh, I've definitely become a student of the sport as I've watched it and been fortunate enough to watch it with enough people that know what, what we're watching and been able to educate me as I watch it. And uh, you talk about habits, you talk about work ethic, you know, the foundations of the sport, it's right there. Like all, all of the successful players consistently have great habits and a fantastic work ethic. And there's after that, then there's all these nuances and all these different components, obviously, that make players successful but at the same time that is always at the the core of everything that they're doing and and so to hear that you know that was built into you at such a young age through the lessons from your own father is is really cool simply because I think it would have been very easy for people to assume hey this guy is just naturally big so that's why he's being (laughs) successful whereas underneath it all and you knew this and your dad knew this that you know, I'm I'm learning the habits. I'm 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 building the work ethic that I need to be successful. It's it's not just about my natural tendencies. It's about these these true core elements to my game. And I think that's that's really cool. And and you know, just going beyond college now, you you had a number of years within the NFL. Talk to us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So honestly, man, my my playing career wasn't all that great. If I'm being honest, I really only played. Um, in, in two legitimate seasons. Um, and those were really my first two seasons while I was in Kansas City. Um, part of the reason why I didn't play, because I think in my mind, I had, I know one for sure, Hall of Famer in Will Shields, who, who was already being inducted. Um, and then another guy by the name of Brian Waters, who were really um, great mentors, great teachers as well. Um, really helped kind of guide me along the way as I was uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs roster. Um, and so, man, like trying to learn and obviously trying to take those guys' positions, that was a tough task. (laughs) At the same rate, um, you know, I was kind of under their wing. And and I think, you know, the the Chiefs organization was really looking for me to kind of take the next step. Um, You know, unfortunately for me, it just didn't work out like like I planned to. But fortunately for me, um, those lessons, man, really um, prepared me for kind of some of the roles that I've been able to kind of be in now. Mm Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and let's let's move to that a little bit here in the sense that, you know, so much of your experience after football appears to have been in a very sort of interpersonal communication capacity, working with a lot of people, 
you know, looking back at your personality as a player and, and more specifically as a teammate, you know, are you able to draw some similarities between the way in which you were maybe within a locker room and the way in which you're conducting yourself now within this role, say, let's say, for example, today? Yeah, I mean, when you think about me, and I, when I think about me, um, you know, I'm a former offensive lineman. So communication is obviously huge in terms of how we play that specific position, right? Um, so particularly as a play is called in the huddle, like there's automatic communication, obviously, from the quarterback to the rest of the team. And then, obviously, as an offensive lineman, we're communicating with each other right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, depending on obviously what front we're getting, um, you know, what's the down and distance, you know, how we get in our stance, like all those things are now obviously playing out in my mind. And so as I think about what that means to me now in the profession, in, in, in sports administration, it means that I need to be communicating all the time and not just communicating, you know, a big picture or, or let's say, you know, just like a quarterback is calling the play, that's the big picture. But now what are the details, okay, of that play? How do I need to step? How do I need to have my hat placement? And so it's the same thing, um, obviously, as we think about, um, you know, what's the day-to-day like, obviously, in my role now? Like, how can I best communicate to the people that I'm working with so that we can all be on the same page so we can ultimately be successful? So that's kind of, you know, how my mind works, particularly now. Because, um, man, I'm a relationship guy, so I really want to build uh, genuine, authentic relationships um, so that people know that I want to be on the same page with them mm-hmm. and so that we can all get um, to really the place where we're all destined to be in. Yeah, and it's great that you see it that way. I think a lot of these, uh, a lot of the people that work within these larger conference departments, as you, as you are now with with Conference USA, the one thing people never necessarily appreciate is that here you are a part of the conference, but beneath the conference are obviously all the schools that make up the conference, and it's a it's a huge huge thing when you start to think about it. And if the communication and the the desire to build those relationships isn't there, it's it's near impossible to really have an effective conference being ran. And so hearing that, you know, you being in a position like this and having that type of mindset, it's only going to have a benefit not only within the conference as a as an organization, let's call it, you know, it's, it's going to trickle down all the way into the colleges that make up the conference as well. And uh, sticking with sticking with you as an O-lineman, you know, it's you know, it's about communication. Yet yeah, aggression, I would say, maybe is is a word that you would relate to that position too. Um, you know, out of curiosity, because for for me, I always find it fascinating as someone who is an athlete himself. You know, preparing to perform is something that even today I never need to get myself into a mental state that I I used to get into as an athlete. And I'm sure you don't either have to do that ever again. But at the same time, I'm sure there's components that you draw from that preparation going into a game, knowing that you have to really put your body on the line for 60 minutes, you know, what can you maybe connect to how you would prepare for for that position on a game day and how you maybe prepare, let's say, for a big board meeting or something like that that might be coming up? Yeah, I think I think it, it it's the inner drive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, particularly as offensive lineman, it was like I wanted to be the best offensive lineman out there. And so, obviously, when you think about, you know, preparation, like how am I preparing in practice? Um, how hard am I going in practice so that by the time the game comes, it's, it's, it's seamless, right? It's natural. It's just, it just happens because your body is so accustomed to doing those things over and over again. And so, for me, it was, 
it was the the chase of perfection. Um, so that by the time I got to the rip in the game, you know, I was so prepared that it was it was like a walk in the park. Right. Um, and so it, it should be, in my opinion, it should be the same way in how we approach um, our profession, right? Um, you should have so much practice. You should try and get so many reps and to where when it is game time or where it is, you know, time to meet with the presidents or ADs or the head coaches, mm-hmm. it's natural. It flows. Um, and so you're not really caught on your toes um, and really reacting to something that you're not prepared for. So preparation, getting those reps in, I think those things are key, um, really, really in being successful in anything that you're trying to do. Yeah, and it's – it's easy it's easy to think you know how you can get reps as an athlete you know when you look at practice and in terms of you now as a within this professional career away from football how would you sort of interpret how you've gotten these reps and that maybe it's the roles prior to where you are now to sort of talk us through how you've been able to build that that comfort in your preparations let's say to to be in this role and performing now at the level you need to perform well you know one I think everything comes back to relationships. One, okay? I'll always say that because in my opinion, most of what leadership is, is relationship based um, because you're trying to lead people, um, you know, somewhere they're trying, everybody is trying to go somewhere. And obviously everybody is trying to be successful. Mm. Um, and so if, if the relationship is not good, then, you're, you're probably not going to get the best out of that individual or the sure. best out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, as you think about reps, right, how many times am I sending an email? How many times am I picking up the phone? How many times am I sending the text? How many times um, am I, you know, with the rest of my team? How many times are we talking about the things that, that we're going to talk about in front of the presidents, in front of the ADs, in front of the head coaches? Um, and so, you know, how many times am I typing it up? How many times am I writing it down? It, it, it's, it's the little things. It's the details um, that sometimes we, we forget because we're so busy. Um, but in my opinion, it's those details that really kind of come along and kind of help kind of seal and, 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 and firm up some of the things that you, you know, want to portray as you kind of move forward. Yeah, I, I love that example because for me, I, I really relate to it in in the sense that I try not to ever put myself in a scenario. Let's say with this interview, I try not to just press record and say, "Hey, let's let's see if we can have a, a good discussion." You know, for me, the the details and the preparation with with each and every interview for me is is what I think allows us to to create a pretty decent product with this with this podcast and 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 with you hearing you talk about how you go into a meeting. By the time you get into that meeting, you want to have discussed with just about anybody and everyone that's going into that meeting on your behalf as well, exactly what you want to get out of it. You know, you don't want to go into a a meeting blind. You don't want to go into a meeting wondering what the outcome is supposed to be. You want to know what you want the outcome to be. You want to know what it is you want to get out of the meeting, especially if you're going to come out of that meeting and be relaying on some sort of message, as I was referencing before, on behalf of the conference to the rest of the schools within it. You know, you need to be clear in that message. Um, So to hear that, you're thinking about all of those many details and so many emails and text messages and phone calls are taking place before any type of decisions being made and any messages being relayed. I think that's a, a really good way of just sort of applying that mindset of just getting your reps in. 
And, you know, you've talked about leadership a good bit here across you as a football player and across you now as a professional after your football years. What sort of consistency, I guess, have you seen across the leaders? You know, you've talked a lot about communication and building relationships, but in terms of something that maybe you say, right, I saw this in my football coaches and I also see this, let's say, in your commissioner now with Conference USA, you know, what, what, what are maybe one or two of those comparisons that you can see even in those two very different worlds? One thing really stands out to me, and that's the ability to listen. Hmm. Um, and I say that because, <laughs> you know, as a, as a head coach, you know, and, you know, when you're going in, you're trying to talk to your head coach. For one, you are already nervous, okay, <laughs> uh, because you don't know how the conversation is going to go. Right. Um, and so for two, um, you know, I think about, okay, when I go in, how is the conversation going to go? And a lot of times, as I think back oh, with my conversation, particularly with head coaches, you know, it went exactly how they wanted it to go. Yeah. Because already in their minds, they're thinking about, okay, here's the direction I need to steer this young man. Um, you know, I, I think back and I was like, man, like coach really listened to me. Like I, I felt like they really listened to my concerns, listened to whatever was on my mind. Um, and so to me, it's the same thing really in leadership now. Um, if you don't have the ability to listen and really hear people out, but then at the same time, be be willing to accept how they feel, okay? And then be willing to kind of push them in the direction that you think they need to go. Uh, I think though that is, extremely important in leadership because so many times for one people don't listen they don't listen well enough mm -hmm. um, to understand who they're working with to understand you know what makes people tick right and so essentially sometimes or a lot of times you have disgruntled employees or disgruntled teammates who are just going to do their own thing because they don't feel like people care about them mm -hmm. and so when i think you listen you find out that that people have genuine concerns. Um, it also shows that you care, um, but then it also shows that, hey, you know, we need to work together. Not I, not the leader, but we need to work together in order to, you know, obviously get to where we want to be at. So, you know, listening for one, and then like, man, what, what are your habits? You know, are you doing the things um, that people think you should be doing as a leader? Uh, are you walking the walk? Are you talking the talk? I, I think um, the, the first one, in my opinion, is so, so super important because a lot of times, you know, how people feel or how people are thinking just gets kind of thrown out the window because, you know, a leader in their mind already have have their mind made up on what they want to get done. And I think those things work in some instances, but uh, particularly when you're working in sports, um, because everything is so um, – team driven or uh together driven um then you got to kind of have that, that that approach in my opinion yeah and it, it all ties together really nicely as well with with what you were talking about before with the with the details and the preparation in the sense that if you if you are prepared if you if you are organized in the work that you're doing you have time to listen right you know you're not you're not just stressed or or, or worrying about what you got to do next you know you have the time to stop take a minute and listen to this 18, 19 year old who comes into your office and says, hey coach, have you got a second? I think it's 
really really cool to see all that sort of tie together and and now just with with the transition that you took from being a football player into the working world beyond football this is something i always like to just bring up within this show because it's really where the 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 show was born uh was the idea of, of athletes going on into the real world how did you find that transition first and foremost leaving football and going into life without football but then secondly what was maybe some of the best guidance you got through that transition initially? So, so what, Steve, you know, we've been talking for a good little while now, right? About 20 minutes or something, mm-hmm. right? What, what has been one thing I've always brought up? Relationships. Relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationships. Because, man, I don't care when you transition. I don't care if it's, you know, after high school, after college, or even obviously after playing the National Football League or playing professionally in general. Mm-hmm. Like, man, you stepping away from something that you love, from something that you've done your entire life, mm-hmm. is hard. It is extremely hard. It's painful. Um, because a lot of times, that's just that's just what you do. Uh, you wake up wanting to do that. Um, and so for it to be taken away, and a lot of times it's completely out of your control. Right. Uh, it kind of leaves you feeling hopeless. Like, man, like what's next? Um, you know, for me though, I would say this, while it was hard, it was devastating. Um, you know, I knew what my purpose was in life. And so for me, <laughs> I had a great wife who was really able to to help me cope with a lot of, you know, the feelings that I had um, and was really able to kind of help me see the bigger picture as well, even through um, the, 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 I guess, the, the, the trees that were kind of in my way or the mountains that were kind of in my right. way. Right. Um, and so, you know, what we did was we relied on the relationship that we had with, with people um, um, to really help me kind of create a new identity. Because uh, that's essentially what you're doing once you leave. You you have to get out of the football player mentality, um, but still be able to, to hone in on um, those things that you've done over and over and over again, the discipline of waking up in the morning, having a routine, um, and continuing in that routine, even though you're not playing sports. Um, those are the things that I relied on heavily and I still do um, to this day uh, in order to be successful. Because if you're a successful college player or player, you have great work ethics, you have a great work habit. It's just how do I now apply those things to the real world? Um, and so I was really able to rely obviously on my wife and then uh, obviously rely on a lot of mentors. I got I gotta mention a guy by the name of Jamil Northcutt. Um, cause he was, he's, he really helped me during that transition. Um, I got to mention a guy um, by the name of Woody Dixon, um, because Woody really helped, uh, afford me the opportunity, um, to, to get in the sports administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, man, those relationships that I had, those relationships that I formed one in college with Jamil and then the other, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and Woody Dixon because he was a general counsel. Um, man, shoot, afforded me the opportunity to, to kind of be in a position that I'm in now. So I'm I'm grateful um, for for those you know individuals. 
yeah that's that's some good stuff i appreciate you know just the the pure honesty as well i think it's something that way too often we avoid with discussing the transition from from being an athlete to to leaving your sport behind i relate to all of it uh, the hardest probably the hardest year of my life was the year after i was done uh competing uh, simply because that recreation of an identity is take some work you know talk about <laughs> you talk about having that work ethic and, and knowing what it means to create habits and a routine um you're, you're starting from square one really and, and, you tr- and you're still trying to hold on to this sort of past life as well for a little while too which you know i for, for me that was going out for a run and, and and trying to tell myself i needed to stay in great shape understanding that maybe i could just take it easy once in a while for me to find that balance in just that a part of my life was a was a huge challenge but the the career component of it is what this show is all about how do we take that version of who you were as a player and just relaunch yourself uh, in this new world and for you it was sports administration and listening to everything that you're you're telling us here trey it's it's no surprise to me that you are where you are today doing what it is you're doing in terms of your career up to this point and now looking ahead what does the future look like for you in your opinion where where does this uh this story now within sports administration end for you well honestly man like you, you think about it you know obviously as a as a as a athlete yourself and former student athlete former professional athlete like we're always striving to be the best. So it's this high ceiling that we're obviously trying to reach for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say for me in, in the roles that I've been in, man, it's been all God, if I'm being honest. Um, I've never really sought out a position. It, honestly, everything for me has been about what relationships I've built. Like I think about, like I said, my first job out of football was an intern at the Pac at the Pac Ten because it was the Pac Ten at the time, mm-hmm. and so Woody Dixon, like I said, was the general counsel for the Chiefs. He was also the general counsel um, for the Pac Ten mm-hmm. um, during that time. And so my my next job, shoot, it was working at the SEC conference office. Mm-hmm. Relationships again, Greg Sankey, who's now the SEC commissioner. He was an right. associate commissioner um, um, during the time during my time at the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, lo and behold, I got a call from a guy by the name of Rustin Webster, okay, because I was at the SEC at that point three years. Mm-hmm. Rustin Webster, he was a general manager for the Titans, called me. Why did he call me? Because Jamil Northcutt gave him my name. Mm-hmm. Chris Spencer gave him my name, right? People that knew me that felt like, hey, man, Trey will probably be a good fit for this role. Like, right. Okay, so when I left the Titans and went to Illinois, James Kirkland, James Kirkland, I worked with at the Titans. He was a pro scout with the Titans and had been obviously been a long time college and pro scout for like 15, 16 years. Trey, hey, man, Lovey Smith has a player development role up here. I think you'll be a great fit. Mm. Okay, let's let's see how that works out. And so anyway, I say that the role that I'm in now, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, Tim Lewis, he recommended recommended me for the job. Because this job that I have now, this role that I'm in now, it wasn't really on my weight radar at all. But because of the work that I've done, the relationships that I've created, um, people saw value in it and they decided to give me an opportunity. So that's kind of where I am now, man. Just really um, trying to be in, be in a position where I'm doing God's work for one, mm-hmm. uh, 
building great relationships. Um, and, and ultimately, obviously, I'm always trying to be at my very best because um, that's what I think people um, need. That's what people want. Um, and that's what people expect. And that's what I expect of myself, first and foremost, is, is to always, always be at my best, no matter what it, what it is that I'm doing. Well, I mean, there's been some fantastic sentiments and, and messages through this whole discussion. And, and what a great way to, to finish it off in terms of just striving to be your best. Talk about just sort of keeping it simple. But the, the simplicity of that message comes with so, so many components, all the way back to the beginning of this conversation with that work ethic and those great habits and everything else in between. Trey, honestly, this has been fantastic, man. I've, I've really appreciated all your insight. Uh, there's just so much good stuff. It's no accident that people keep recommending you by the sounds of it. Uh, you know, obviously, you're, you're building these relationships with total sincerity and, and just a, a true desire to to get to know people and uh, and be of, of service to people in, in the best way, shape, or form that you can be. And uh, in the meantime, man, best of luck with everything you're doing. And, and thank you so much again for joining us today. Hey, man, thanks a lot, Steve. Really appreciate the time, man. And my thanks again to Trey for joining us on Career Competitor today. And as always, we'll finish with my keys to success. Firstly, my competitive call, and it will be that of relationships. Now, I understand I like this to be a trait or characteristic per se, but I believe the willingness to build relationships is in fact a characteristic in a person. And I could not say anything different after the incredible emphasis and examples Trey placed on the importance of this. What I appreciated above anything was his final insight in terms of how his career has simply been paved by the relationships he has created. Let me be clear, this isn't a matter of just helping out a friend. These are people who saw how Trey performed in his job, the interest he took in them so that he could learn and advance his performance, and how they knew that with any progress he achieved within his career, he would go and do the same at the next stop as well. So yes, make time to build relationships, but let the reputation for the work you do be at the core of these relationships. Next is my teachable takeaway. Are you still emphasizing your core values? Trey referenced how his habits and work ethic were built within him from the age of 12 and gave numerous examples of how today they remain at the forefront of his daily performance. But take some time to check in with yourself. Are you still leaning on the core values that set you on the right path years ago? Or have you allowed them to slip slightly? This is simply a reminder to check in with yourself, do some self-reflection, and ensure that you have not allowed yourself to become complacent in your performance. You're human, it can happen, but let's make sure we are remaining true to what made us who we are in the first place. And finally, my motivational move, go get your reps. It's one of the oldest saying, right? Practice makes perfect. And although I don't think perfection is a realistic point to get to, we can never be too prepared to perform. Trey's examples of the thorough way he communicates with all stakeholders through their prep when it comes to performing as a team or a conference in his case, I for one am a creature of preparation. I never like to think of it as work or having to make more time for something. I actually look at it as a way to build confidence. The more I get my reps in, so to speak, when preparing for interviews or when preparing for training sessions for my athletes, 
the more I feel confident about the final product I am producing. And this allows me to perform at my optimal self. Don't be afraid to do a couple reps, to do a couple more, and then when you think you might be done, go through one last round of reps. Take pride in your preparation, and I ensure you that if you do, you will only gain belief for how you will then perform within your role or as a team. And that's it for my career competitor keys to success. I appreciate you hanging around to hear them. And as always, thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Please, please, please take the time to share the show and rate it as well. Best of luck with everything you've got going on within your job and within your life for that matter. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now. 